Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. So how did Paul decide where and who he was going to meet on his missionary journeys? Colin, we're going through the Acts of the Apostles. We've reached, uh, reached chapter 16 and the story of Paul's vision of the man of Macedonia. Yes, and the significance of the Council of Jerusalem we talked about yesterday was to make it absolutely clear that salvation is not dependent upon Jewish practice, but upon faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that that is true for both Jew and Gentile, uh, and that what is really being formed is something entirely new, the body of Christ. And it, it, it's really that the body of Christ is emerging very much out of its Jewish roots, but now with a new sense of identity of being both Jewish and Gentile in makeup. And um, so Paul now has the blessing of all the uh, council, of all the, the main leaders in Jerusalem to go out to the Gentiles with the gospel. He's got this letter of authority from them. And uh, so it says in chapter 16, verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. This was a time of great expansion of the church. And all the time, uh, Paul was wanting to be led uh, by the Spirit as to where to go next. And we've got this very interesting section. Starts verse 6 of chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, there were clearly times when Paul wanted to go to a particular place, and the Holy Spirit said to them, no, don't go there. I want you to go somewhere else. And then he says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, I want you just to, to get really into this word. Paul wants to go to Bithynia. Everything about him says they need the gospel in Bithynia. This is obviously the next place to go. If you just look at it from the point of view of reason. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, this just shows you how submitted Paul and his companions were to being led by the Spirit. I mean, they dare not do anything unless they had the witness of the Spirit that it was right to do so. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got up at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So you see now he's got the word from the Lord. There's a much greater harvest field waiting for you in Macedonia than there is in Bithynia. Macedonia is ready for the message. Go there. And of course, there's another little um, subtle uh, 
detail here that we need to mention because this, of course, is being written by Luke. And he says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. So Luke is now traveling with Paul. He is now part of Paul's mission team. So he could talk about what had happened uh, because perhaps he was a first-hand spectator of some of the things that Paul and Peter were doing, but he certainly would have heard from them directly. But now he is personally involved, and so what happens uh, during the, the next part of the Acts of the Apostles uh, is being written from first-hand experience. Colin, just as in the same way that we sometimes feel like we're doing God's will yet hitting a brick wall. Would that have been a similar situation? Would Paul have been somewhat frustrated that the Spirit was, was preventing him from going where he thought he ought to go? Oh, yes. I mean, I can, I can readily identify with what Paul is saying here because it's been very true in my own ministry that, uh, and, and I think um, many others listening would be able to say that um, there were things they wanted to do but just could not get any peace with God that they were the right things to do, even though it may have seemed to the reason that they were right. Uh, and then, although they might not have understood at the time why it wasn't right to do those things, subsequently God speaks to them and then gives them direction as to what is right. And when they go and fulfill that word that God has given, they see that God has prepared the way for them and that if they'd made their own decision and done the other thing or gone to the other place or whatever it might be, they would not have seen the hand of God at work in the way that they did when they responded to the revelation that the Holy Spirit had given. So this same principle is true today. And this is why we're looking at all these events because you see the controversy is perhaps slightly different between Jew and Gentile today uh, than the situation that existed in the time of the Acts of the Apostles. But the principles are the same, that um, legalistic religion and the freedom of the gospel are not good bedfellows. Uh, you have got to understand that if we are to move in the purposes of God, we have to move in obedience to the Word of God, but in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we cannot really reveal the kingdom of God present in power, which is what Jesus has called us to do. So they got to Macedonia and some strategic, uh, some strategic meetings there. Yes, and what we must understand is that um, uh, not everything is big crowds. That often um, uh, it's a meeting with a particular individual. It's the conversion of certain people that then leads to great effectiveness and fruitfulness. Uh, you know, sometimes when, when I've been traveling around, uh, I come to a place where, where there's a relatively small group of people and, and uh, you know, often the leaders have been very apologetic and said, oh, we know you're used to speaking to thousands of people or hundreds of people and, uh, you know, we're, we're just so sorry that there's only a small group of us. And I say, well, you don't have to apologize. I said, it's just as much a privilege to speak 
to a small to speak to a small group as it is to speak to thousands. And I said the the point is that there may be somebody very very strategic in your small group that God is going to meet with tonight. He's going to transform their life, and out of what He does, their lives are going to be exceedingly fruitful. So sometimes greater fruit can come from a small meeting than just seeing many hundreds or thousands of people being blessed. And this is where you just learn that in the purposes of God, you need to be where he wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do, not just trying to ask the Lord to tag along with you in going where you want to go and do what you want to do and asking him to bless it. And so he met Lydia. Yes, Lydia. She must have been quite a character, actually, because she she did end up by having a very uh, strategic ministry. And it says of her that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. Now, what actually happened was a church started in Lydia's home. And um, see, just one person and then her household and then the church. And she obviously became quite a key figure in, in that whole area subsequently. So... <clears throat> Uh, you know, we, we see Paul moving from place to place. We see different reactions. Uh, we see encounters with people. We see him getting himself in real trouble sometimes, uh, being thrown into prison. Um, uh, he had his miraculous escape from prison. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, these guys were just living in the supernatural all the time and never knew really what what God was going to be doing next. But it's exciting stuff. It's exciting to see how God was obviously in control of, um, of, the, uh, of the whole events. And we see how in different places, Jews were being saved, Gentiles were being saved, and this, this new body, the body of Christ, both Jewish and Gentile, was being formed. Of course, subsequently, it's become much more Gentile than Jewish, but God's end purposes are that he will come back for a church that is both Gentile and Jewish, that they have formed the one new man in Christ. So, um, you know, we, we can get really excited. I, as, you, as you read through these chapters, there's no time for us to go into e each of um, the incidents that happened in different places. Uh, but you can read these for yourself, and it's exciting to see how the Holy Spirit enabled Paul and the others to cope with each situation. Sometimes there was great response, great blessing. Sometimes there was great opposition and persecution. Sometimes multitudes of people really were turning to the Lord. Sometimes they were getting thrown in prison and really having to suffer for the sake of the gospel. But the great thing is they were relentless. They just went on from place to place. If they got persecuted in one place, they would just leave and go on and move on. They, they didn't stop. They weren't uh, re sort of rejection conscious and, and with the attitude, Lord, we're doing this for you. Why are you allowing us to suffer? Jesus suffered for the sake of the gospel. And to them, they just saw, well, this is an inevitable part of the whole cost of what it means to take the gospel out into the world. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 